Hello and welcome to the Believe Crew podcast. The business is you. I'm Jamie White, founder of Believe Crew and your host. Let's jump right in. I am excited today to jump in a conversation with Heidi. She is a woman in egg in the cranberry industry, and we've kind of known each other off and on for years, but we really want to dig into a conversation today about, well, of course, wherever the conversation goes, right? But about women and mindset and all the things that come to mind about what it's really, really like behind the scenes, right? That's right. <laughs> so Heidi, can you give us a little bit um, of background about you and why you are where you are today? Yeah. So um, I'll try not to keep this long-winded so we can really get into the better content of today's chit-chat. Um, my name is Heidi. I'm a cranberry grower from Wisconsin Rapids area. The name of my cranberry marsh is Gainer Cranberry, and I have been working there full-time. This will be my 17th season, and um, I work with my sister, and so I we have a division of labor, so I do farm HR. So that's uh, not anything to do with really growing the cranberries or protecting the cranberries, but it is with the other golden asset people. So I'm in charge of payroll and billing and insurance and all of the paperwork and glue. Um, and as we continue to talk about agribusiness and cran careers, this is where I fall into play in that uh, role of running a farm and running a business. So that's my work life. Um, my family life, I have, uh, my husband is great. His name is Brian. He's a wonderful supporter. And we have two great children. Um, they're Luke and Victoria, and they're young little ones in elementary school, so they keep us busy. Um, but they're still um, in that youthful stage, so we have some fun exploring uh, the world through their eyes, which is innocent and sweet. And um, when I'm not doing family or farm, uh, I'm very involved with our community, which Jamie knows. And um, uh, I have some strong passions for women in leadership and doing things that support women or young young children. Um, I believe in women empowerment, so I find myself attracted to the networking um, models and leadership you know, styles of women who enjoy serving and helping others. So one of my favorite projects is Women United, and it's an all-women-based organization, and we serve the children in our community through literacy programs. So I think that's really important that we invest in our youth. Um, so that's maybe part of my mindset is to see outside of yourself with service leadership. So I think I'll stop there and see, um, Jamie, how you want to segue from there. Yeah. So I love a couple of things that you brought out. The one is the golden asset. I have not heard of this. So I like this. Awesome. People are the golden asset. Yes. Yes. Well, I made that up, but, um, cause I, I like yeah, it. I skim, I don't read, I should. Um, but yes, I'm, in that <laughs> I'm a skimmer, yeah. totally a skimmer. Um, but I, yeah, fly off the seat of my pants sometimes, but yeah, they are, we, they mm -hmm. are, our, our people are glue. Mm -hmm. And the other piece that you didn't mention, but I know you and I have talked about is the faith-based perspective. Mm. And so like when we combine faith, family business, um, you know, like you're in legacy generational type business, mm -hmm. right? Like the expectation is that how can we, how can we transition this to the family and how can we work through this? Mm -hmm. And when you come with that expectation, it's like a totally different style of business. Um, so, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's so much more. <laughs> there is. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it is a, it is a mindset and it is a leadership mm -hmm. style. Um, 
So I think when you carry faith in your heart and in your mind, so I'm Christian. And I, I, when I finally recognized, I think it was in college. Um, I told Jamie this story, uh, that was forced or required rather, listen to me, I'm still using that word, um, mm-hmm. to do a, a volunteering, um, activity in order to graduate from my business cr- program. But I had been working 35 hours a week and I just didn't, I was bothered. I didn't have the time to, um, see outside of myself, but I did it anyways. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the requirement. And it was, um, it, there was a divine moment that I experienced and I understood, um, the gravity of the impact that we all can make by carving out just a little bit of time. Even when you are the most busy, there's always a little time that you can squeeze. And it ended up being a really, really positive experience that has now carried into my everyday life. So whether it's saying yes to someone else's ask or, um, as you mentioned, Jamie, I'm very blessed. So I know that my work schedule isn't exactly the, um, you know, conventional, but there's nothing conventional in farming anyway. Uh, but in my position, especially with farm HR, I have the ability to, um, stretch myself to, um, serve others outside of the farm. And, and I end up finding it adding value right back into the farm and back into my family. So that part of that, um, desire, I think, and that, um, calling is knowing that, um, it, there's, it's bigger than us. So where can we use our skills and talents to be able to give back to others? And that's a leadership style that we have on our farm. You've heard me earlier say division of labor. So we're lucky enough that we can afford to hire and recruit based on skill sets so that no one really has to be a master generalist. Although in farming, you have, there, there is that expectation a little bit, um, but we try to highlight and promote based on your skills and, and, um, and your talents. And we try to grow them as well. And understanding that, that everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a value. Everyone can serve and, and contribute. And even though in the HR world, the pay scale might be different. The value of what they bring to the farm is equalized. And so I think that's really important. That's how, you know, when we always speak to our team, it's, if it's with dignity, it's with respect. Um, it's, it's, so my Christianity shows through the smile, through, um, understanding, like, how can I help you thrive? Just not just survive kind of idea. Wow. So has your farm always operated with those um, values? Yeah. Uh, we haven't had to necessarily invent it, uh, or bring it in new. Um, it's unique because our family farm was founded by two brothers and, um, in the farming world and an early, um, world of America. So this is like late 1800. Uh, Our farm was established in 1876, but both of the brothers sadly did not have children that lived long enough to survive a succession plan. And so the Yainer brothers then um, pivoted their their ideology of what does this look like for Gainer Cranberry. And they looked to their manager, who is my great-grandfather, who had actually been working there as a young boy because there weren't labor laws back then that protected young children from work because when your mom is widowed as a German immigrant, she has to bring children to work. So he learned to farm. You're making me cry here yeah, already. I don't know. It's, like, it's the there's a lot story. here. It's the real yeah. story of not just ours, but of many American farmers. 
So he proved his worth, proved his work ethic, proved his ability to farm. So as it may be by circumstance, our Dempsey family was then invited to be part of this Gaynor Cranberry uh, legacy. So um, the so how do, how does this divide? How do we get to division of labor? Well, when my great grandfather great grandfather had children, um, so now we're like going forward in time. And so by the time his son was old enough, guess who has to serve the U.S. military? My grandfather. Oh, and wow. so um, my grandfather served as a pilot, and we had to learn to operate without the the boy. You know, at that time, mm-hmm. that was the way it was. Mm-hmm. He had two sisters, but he was. Um, you know, seen to be the next succession. So they had to lean on others to make sure that the farm survived and thrived while my grandpa was doing his service and making the choice and to be able to come back and farm. So when he did come back and farm, times were good and and there was opportunity. So his um, opportunity was to start another cranberry marsh. It had already been started in the 1930s, but by then he moved his family there in the 50s. My dad was raised in this cranberry marsh. So now we have two different, long story short, we have two different cranberry marshes. So you can't be in two places at once. So you have to lean on your crew. That's how I refer to our team as our crew, our cranberry crew, um, to be able to, um, to, to be your eyes and your ears. So it's really important that you have strong trust and respect to be able to believe that they're going to be growing the crop the way you want to see it. Um, Cause you can't be at two places at once, especially during those critical times like harvest or frost or things like that. So. Wow. There's so much here. I want to go back to the comment that you made about when you were in college and that you had this piece that was required of you <laughs> and your thought was, I don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the limiting beliefs that holds a ton of us back mm-hmm. in just this restriction And yet I I liked an example someone gave um, recently where they were like, time is sort of relevant to what you're doing. You know, if your hand is on something super hot, a minute is very, very long. Yeah. But if you're, um, if you're doing something that you absolutely love and you're just enjoying it, five hours could feel like 15 minutes, you know, like how did time fly? And so, um, yes, this idea that, we don't have enough time. And mm-hmm. yet you found the time. Mm-hmm. How, how does that work? Right. <laughs> like exercise. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> Kayaking, maybe not full on. Yeah. Gym, but anyway. you know, no, I, I believe in that. I think some of this comes from, um, well, so self-preservation is coming to my mind right now. So I don't know if it's mm-hmm. because I wanted to talk about it or if I definitely truly believe that God has asked us of this. Um, you know, taking care of our bodies as vessels of him. So how can we give to others? How can we be our best self if we aren't investing in ourselves? Um, whether it's through our education or simple things like sleep. Um, I'm a huge advocate for sleep. No, that doesn't mean I'm, um, I sleep in. It means I make sure that I go to bed at a decent time. I make sure that I wind down and unplug from whatever might be my distractor or the things that might get me jazzed up. And that when I go to bed, I'm going to bed with a peaceful mind. And then I'm giving myself a chance to get eight hours. Um, I do believe in eight hours of sleep. So um, (laughs) I feel like some of those kind of things to kind of help um, make you recognize like how time should be used and that we need to serve others and carve out that time. Like we should always have time for somebody else. So I will always, you know, 
if I'm in the middle of something and someone's at, you know, they come to my office, for example, I immediately stop what I'm doing and give them my eye contact. Um, and you know, even my kiddos, when we're at restaurants, I'm still trying to get them to order with a smile and give eye contact because, <laughs> um, I think that when you show someone your eyes and show someone that you're in the moment with them, then real relationship and real opportunity can happen. So whether or not someone's going to be open in the conversation, who knows, but it, you have to open it first. You have to plant the seed. So I think a smile helps plant the seed. I think, um, yeah. I feel like I'm um, looking at my own life and I'm like, you know, there is something I've been doing that is actually taking away confidence from my kids. And I have a, I have a tendency to be efficient and utilitarian and like, let's just get the most out of these resources. And so when I go to a restaurant, if I go with my six kids, I'm like, what do you guys all want? And then I tell the waitress what the family is having. <laughs> so nobody orders by themselves. And it's just like, this is more efficient. You know, like they all look to me. and But then when I ask them to go order something themselves, they're like, no going, you know, and so I've in a way enabled, you know, like I've enabled them and they haven't been able to gain their confidence. It's almost like I've, um, created that situation that sometimes managers or leaders, we unintentionally mm -hmm. are doing when it, I know that, um, I'm a recovering enabler where it ends up making other people have less confidence because I'm just like, I'll just do it, mm -hmm. you know? It's just easier. So sorry that that wasn't necessarily where you were going with the self-preservation, but there's an eye-opening moment and vulnerable. Yeah, like, but it's part actually, of it. Actually, I think I could change that. That yeah. might be beneficial. Because I think if you're not careful to protect um, some of you know what God has given us, it's easy to slip into slipped boundaries. And it's a it's a slippery yeah. slope that turns into a mudslide. And um, so we had talked about this, Jamie, before about how do we, um, although, you know, I find it very important and I also find it very um, gratifying to serve others um, that doesn't, you know, that translate to giving myself to 100% in a way that's not healthy. So I think right. that's really, um, really tricky really, really tricky to figure out how do we manage our time so that, and our boundaries, um, so that we aren't deluding ourselves. And if we believe in a cause, I want to make sure that I can sustain myself to get to the finish line. If it's a project or, you know, if it's the, for the long run, um, like raising your family, uh, there's just ways that I just recognize, um, that that's really important. Well, yeah. I think one of the things that um, helped me. Well, there's a book called the four agreements. And mm. the first one is something like integrity with your word or something like that. Mm -hmm. Really close. If it's not exact. And, um, I just realized through the process of like, what does it take for me to have integrity with my word? What does it take for me to show up when I say I'm going to show up? And part of that was being willing to say no to things that I used to like, well, maybe I could just move that other person, you know, like, I know I said that we could mm -hmm. meet for lunch, but maybe, you know, something better came up and I'll just move that other person on the schedule. And I realized that integrity with my word for me meant no matter if the president calls, like I already have this on my schedule, would you like to meet after lunch? Yeah. You know? And that made a huge shift in how I showed up, you know, in, in, all areas of life just by that one mm -hmm. little change and, and being really clear on like, what is your 
absolute no and what is your absolute yes mm-hmm. and ha- and just knowing that so like when you say when some a crew member comes in and wants to talk to you that you give them your full attention you give them eye contact because ultimately that is an absolute yes for you like mm-hmm. you know this is part of who you are and what you're called to be but there might be an advertising person or someone that's you know just stopping in for sales that you're like did you make an appointment i mean maybe you handle it differently maybe you don't mm-hmm. right but who are those people and just getting clarity on mm-hmm. where am i called to be who am i called to serve and then having time available for them exactly hearing yes yes did i make it up (laughs) yeah no you got it you got it um and i think you know like we learned i learned this lesson this last year you know go where people want to see your smile Mm. um show your light who want to people who want who want it um if if they're not that's powerful can you tell me a little bit more of like what your awareness was over the last year with that? Yeah. So I started, um, a nonprofit and so I started, um, branching out on something that has to do with cranberries and we recognized as we're, it's a new idea and it's a new concept. And so pitching it to, um, to schools and the education sector, and then trying to get alliance, um, in the overall industry and then trying to figure out like how to have that conversation because it's different depending on your audience. So how the timing of when you have that conversation, how you shape that conversation, what your ask is and what you're willing to offer, that point of entry, if you will, looks different for every single conversation. So we've learned um, that not to say that someone doesn't want to partner or want to collaborate, but maybe it's not the right time. Or maybe mm. we didn't figure out the right point of entry or avenue that would serve their needs. Um, so we, we've learned very, um, you know, in a, in a great way, like to not take a personal, but it's helped mm. us uh, with the, our compass of, okay, th- this is really where, given that we're a nonprofit, we really need to be mindful of our time because we are not paid right now. We are highly vested um, professional volunteers, <laughs> but we but, but we believe in it. So we're doing it. So, um, but it's not worth putting a ton of energy into something that may not be the right time for that. So whether it's um, merchandising, you know, we've learned recently that we, we have missed the window on wholesaling for Christmas. If we want to get into shops for Christmas featured, that should have been a conversation we should be having in January. So we're showing ourselves some grace, a little bit of like, okay, um, you're not, we're not going to get a lot of traction, uh, right now. If we're knocking on doors for people who have already spent their Christmas budget. Um, so those are, um, some like business examples. Um, and, and then we all know, I mean, there's our personalities. God gives us our personalities. We all called by name. We are all given. Um, we are, our essence is who we are. I believe because of this, the, the, we are scripted this way. Um, uh, and so that adds to the relationship that I have with God and I want to live a Christ driven life. And so I also hear him. So I'm getting teary right now. And Ugh. this happens when, um, the Holy Spirit's tapping my shoulder, like, yeah, you got it, Heidi. So, um, so he's listening. Well, he always does. Um, that, you know, 
he even said it himself. And I don't, you know, I'm really bad at Bible scripture memorization. Every single one of my Lutheran teachers will have told you that from elementary school, but there is a scripture in the Bible um, or a story um, that Jesus basically said, um, if you, if you don't receive my message, if you're not hearing me, I, I'm moving on. Um, that I don't have, I have too many people to serve and to share my message with and share my love with to, I think he kind of meant like to waste my time on something that if you're just going to spit at me or begrudge me or um, challenge me, then it's, um, but thank you, but I'm, I'm moving on. And I think um, that was a really valuable lesson that I was very slow to learn, but I think it's really, really valuable. You can't force anyone to like you <laughs> or like your product or want to say yes to your ask or whatever it might be. Um, so, but yeah. This is huge. This is really, really really powerful stuff. It is. Like, yeah. And, and even what you mentioned about, you know, how we're uniquely made and the gifts that we've been given, I've been recently studying, what are my God given gifts? And I found out that it's prophecy, discernment and leadership. And I was like, no wonder I live the way I do and think the way I do and say what I say, but my family, some of them are actually healers. I'm not a healer, but that doesn't mean that I can't value and, you know, accept their gifts, like healers, teachers, you know, people with knowledge as their gifts. Like I'm, I'm super thankful that's your gift because it's not mine. <laughs> exactly. Especially teachers. It. Although it's really funny because I think I have never had a calling to be a teacher, but I am finding yeah, myself, um, being a, an educator in the egg world. So I had a calling to be a cranberry grower. You know, I challenged myself. I moved away. You know, I got a business degree, not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, but it was undeniable when I was in San Diego that I knew I wanted to be home. It, it was just undeniable. I, and I call it, I had a calling to come home and it wasn't a phone call. <laughs> um, I love that. But uh, as it may be, I, you know, I, here I am educating others about uh, agriculture and sustainability and um, farming practices. And then not only that, but how you can see yourself as a farmer or an agriculturalist or something in agriculture and make a career of it. So it's funny. Maybe your gift is exhortation or something that's very similar, but just more from an inspirational way. Or it something. might be. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I have a gift of gab. So it's something. <laughs> I love it. Well, when we think about women and egg and all the things that you kind of mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, what are some of the other things that are really, really on your heart to share? And as you continue to share your gift of gab? Um, yeah, women and egg. So I, we are unique um, in, a, in this essence that I think it's different than the corporate world. Um, mm. I think in farming, you have an opportunity to equalize, um, I think, a lot quicker than having to um, be a stranger graduating from college and then entering into, you know, like the banking world or even the medical world. What I'm hearing you say is that there's actually an opportunity for women in egg, maybe more than you would think. Yeah, I think it's not true? even just an opportunity. I think um, it's an opportunity that goes hand in hand for both men and women. Um Many farms are family owned. And so it's not just the husband that's doing the farm work. It's the wife. It's not always the husband that owns the farm. It's the wife's family farm and he married into her farm. So there's a lot of uh, mixed uh, gender roles that actually have no gender roles. 
that when you think of women in ag, that is when I, when the first thing that comes to mind is, well, generally speaking, no matter what role you're talking about, it is very plausible that you could find a woman in that role. Now, if we're talking wow. about the trades, that's a little bit more of a, that's a little bit of a pivot. Um, we haven't really you've seen a lot of women grow their talents into like fabrication, not to say that I mean, my cousin's a fabricator, but um, it's, it's just something that we're starting to see more growth in the trades that we're finding more women in egg and trades. But I think it's not surprising, especially when you watch social media, TikToks or other videos and you see women driving these ginormous machines and it's, you know, pretty awesome in a cranberry world. There's, I know a lot of women, well, because there's a lot of cranberry kids, that's what we call ourselves. If you're raised into a cranberry family, we call ourselves cranberry kids. So there's a lot of cranberry kids that make a choice to farm. So cranberry kids are not just boys, <laughs> they're girls too. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we've done a great job trying to like show the world that women are farmers, that we're not just doing the books, although I'm better at doing the books and doing farm HR. Um, that, you know, my sister, she's out there hauling, she's in the dump trucks, she's she was doing pipe last week and I was so glad that I was inside with my Excel, Excel spreadsheet. So uh, <laughs> I love it. yeah, I love it. Well, I totally get, you know, just growing up in a family business. I grew up, I mean, literally from baby on, I was riding, um, in my car seat, you know, as we were, as my parents were snow plowing. So for me, entrepreneurial journey started at a very, very young age. But then when I was 14, you know, I was put in the plow truck myself, like here's a Kmart parking lot. You know, I didn't even have a license, but it's two in the morning and I'm not leaving the parking lot for a long time. Uh -huh. And I've just mentioned Kmart. So I dating <laughs> myself. Yep. I know how you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we were sweepers at a young age. And so then when my kids came along and I was like, guess what guys, the first job is sweeping, you know, and for years they're just like, do we ever get out of sweeping? I know, right? <laughs> you know? But it there's jobs for everyone at every age along the way. If we recognize that, you know, what are your unique gifts and talents? Where are you mm -hmm. called to serve? Hey, try this. If it's not the right fit, let's move you into something else. Mm -hmm. Because then at 16, I, I moved into the office, right? And so that was a better fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think there's value in showing our youth it's okay to work and it contribute to your family and whatever. It's even if it's like getting the mail or I don't know, that's right. the mindset we have. Cause I noticed you know, like, how do you, how do you teach work ethic? How do you teach integrity? How do you teach the connection to yourself and then yourself in the world? So to, I just believe it's just so much easier if you, in a translatable, if you say, well, this chore, this job is helping our family. Now you're contributing, but by doing so you're adding value and this is how you're adding value. And by adding value, now we can have more time to, uh, spend making cookies or whatever it is. So I've that. been kind of yeah. making it that kind of thought process for them. That's, I don't know. I love that. <laughs> I'm remembering too, that when my mom was meeting with clients, cause they were custom home builders, young age, somewhere between seven and 11, probably, um, you know, my role was to bring them the drinks and I, I am not your Martha Stewart or anything like that, but I definitely wanted to get as close to the conversations as I could. I enjoyed <laughs> listening uh -huh. in. So if it meant bringing the drinks, I'll, uh -huh. I'll be the drink carrier. You know? <laughs> what else um, comes to mind that you would love to um, express? 
I think the other thing um, that keeps coming to my mind is the women in a conversation. I think it's um, when there's opportunity to raise someone up um, and and show um, another woman that you see her and that um, you are not intimidated by her and that her value is shining bright, that when you feed into that, I think it's really powerful. So I've had two mentors, um, or actually more than that, I've had maybe three or four, but two come to mind, three, three I'll say. Um, two are more in the senior range, and then the other is, um, she's just, she, she's um, my age, but a lot more business savvy than I am. Um, but the three of them have all um, not shied away from me, period. So they're like, hey, we like your energy. So number, so they, they, that was, you know, my light was shining bright when, and they showed me a smile. Um, but not only that they invested and took risks on me. So whether it was giving me an opportunity or inviting me to places or making introductions to people, um, whatever it was, and this isn't just uh, over one year, this has been over the course of like my 17 years home and their encouragement and it's not like they became my aunties, okay? It's not mm-hmm. like that. It's it. It was just um, they trailblazed and they saw value in what I was doing and and added to my success. And I think that I'll never ever ever forget the opportunities of the some of the women who really stuck their neck out for me. And so now I feel. Um, not just obliged, but in an uh, inner connection to do the same thing. So I try to, um, and this, <laughs> the technology is speeding up so fast. I mean, everything we've been doing was nothing we did 17 years ago. Um, but I'm trying to like their pages and follow their stuff or buy their merch or um, visit their stores or um, share their posts or, you know, um, whatever I can do to say, Hey, good on you. Like, this is really great. Um, I, I love what you're doing and I'm trying to show that positivity because it has been shown to me. So I think that's something that's really powerful because it could turn on you the other way. I mean, that's just a human, human, human condition. Um, but I think if you turn your heart towards the love and towards, um, again, that Christ driven, initiative to just show love to others maybe you aren't serving at the time but you're showing love that that is really powerful too and I think that's Mm -hmm. his ask of us so there's so much beauty in what you said about like women not competing against each other in a way of recognizing that we're called to be nurturers I mean this is our gift we're intuitive nurturers connectors and so if women can help other women and not just like you said in a family auntie in a way but really believing and opening doors and helping each other i love that visual mhm love that me too me too it's um yeah i think that's a treasure and a gift and um and and some of the, most of it doesn't cost any money <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. it's just more um It helps you. It helps you Mm -hmm. build your confidence. It helps you have opportunities. Mm -hmm. And and another person that I've interviewed on the podcast, um, you know, he talks about change your circle, change your life. And it's an episode with Jamar Jones. I'm not sure exactly when his will come out compared to yours, but um, it, it's just who, you know, 
that really you're called to work with and help and then turn around and do the same for somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's almost like whatever greatness has come your way, it's just a training course <laughs> so that you can help someone else be even greater. I mean, honestly, that's yes. how it works. Yeah. But I'm not sure everybody gets that. <laughs> yeah. So when you think about your kids right now and the possibility of them being in egg, how do you navigate like kind of wanting it for them, but wanting them to explore what comes up for you with that? So, uh, we were, my parents raised us with the expectation that we would have to go to college. And there was actually the opposite that we, we were not told that we would have a job on the cranberry marsh because they did not want entitled children. So there we had, to, um, we were told that we had to, um, get our education and then prove our worth basically. Um, and to see if whether or not the time and our talent and the, you know, everything would work at the time. And so long story short, um, I think we're going to be doing the same thing with our kiddos. I think we're going to encourage them to love agriculture and see themselves in agriculture. But um, like I'm doing with all the students that I'm trying to inspire that they don't have to be born into a position that they could find themselves to be any, any person in agriculture. Um, so whether it's the truck driver or it's, um, um, the MBA person or, you know, who is like uh, doing egg analytics or, you know, economy analytics or something like that. Or if they're um, doing irrigation water supply resources and doing, you know, things like that, like it, that doesn't mean that they can't be part of agriculture, but we're also encouraging them that if they want to come on the farm, that would be wonderful, but you need to bring a skill or a talent with you. So like, what is that going to be? Cause it can't just be a, a, a scapegoat or a safety net or anything like that. And then given that farming can be, um, financially unstable at times, depending on the market, I would like to see both of our kids have, um, like, I don't know me. I hate to say, I don't, I think this is just an out of box thinking. I don't think you hear a lot of other growers talk like this, but maybe, maybe other, other trades or other professions so that they have the freedom. Like I, what I'm doing that they could work and build up a team. Like we already have. Um, and then between you and your team, you can be the decision maker, agribusiness or however you want to do it, but you wouldn't be necessarily tied to the farm. And so if you, if we needed help with insurance or if we needed to be able to pay our bills because all of our money is making sure that the farm is staying afloat, that that would be a safety net. And without, here's my plug for women empowerment, without having to depend on your husband. <laughs> um, right. Just, um, but you, cause you never would if you don't marry, um, you know, I don't want mm-hmm. it to, I don't want my daughter or my son to believe that they, ha- that their financial security is in their spouse. So, um, I want them to see that they can, that they aren't, they don't have to be on the farm, but they're welcome to, but they're going to have you know, I would like to see them be multifaceted, I think. And I think it helps in farming if you can bring more to the table, like whether it's a, um, there's a gentleman who started a application that helps us farm in a more precision way. And he worked as a software engineer before he came back. He's a cranberry kid, but before he came back full time, um, that was what he did for like 15 years. And then all of a sudden he became an entrepreneur and was like, well, I want this resource. And I bet other people do. So here he is now being a cranberry farmer and a business owner. So, um, I think he's a great testimony of like how you can, you know, kind of follow your pursuits and um, there is a place for you in agriculture too. 
again, so much that you're bringing out because this idea of even transitioning, you know, like gone are the days when everyone is just like, well, this is what I did. This, you know, this is what I went to school for. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Especially when you have that entrepreneurial itch, like it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's possible. It's safe to follow it. And yet, like you said, I don't think that egg and farming are exclusive to the, you know, cycles of business and, you know, how do we plan for that? How do we prep for that? How do we make ourselves, um, you know, either have multiple streams of income or pivot, you know, when something isn't going the way we think it's going Mm -hmm. to go. And so there's just awesome gems that you're constantly giving us here. Well, you bet. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being willing to be so vulnerable along the way of like, this is, this is reality. This is, you know, some of what we think about, some yeah. of what, what we deal with. Yeah. It's, I mean, farming is fun. Business is fun. I, I think it's a lot of fun, but it's also, you know, everything has a, a double-sided coin. And so on the opposite side, when you don't have enough employees or someone quits on you or someone is injured and you're shorthanded, I mean, that really, you feel it um you feel it because you you feel helpless you you try to you know help but there's only you know that your crew has to now do extra work or something like that and um I kind of lost my thought where I was going with there but um (laughs) well um someone said that recently you know, I just got this visual of entrepreneurs and how often they kind of fall on their face, mm. and just like tripping and just like push, <laughs> not, not just like a little, but like fall flat yeah. sometimes. And, and I wonder, you know, I think my dad said this once when we were in the middle of a new project and he was like, you know, does that feeling of darkness ever go away? Like, or do we ever feel like we know what we're doing? <laughs> and I think we're, maybe not growing as much, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, there's technology is changing so fast. Mm -hmm. Things change so fast in all areas of life. And if we're not a little bit surprised and nervous and falling flat on our face, maybe it means we're not doing something right. Right. Well, maybe a little bit of both. Um, and I couldn't <laughs> yeah. agree more. Like, how do we challenge ourselves to evolve with the times, but yet not lose the values of, of all of the the life mm-hmm. we had before, you know, this surge, this technology surge. And what I'm finding with this nonprofit and even with our cranberry marshal, we're four generations old, five generations old. So how do you how do you explain that sustainability and success? Well, some of it's supply demand. Okay, we get that. But um, how does it sustain within families? And And what I see is if you continue to work and strive towards success, but not fast success, if you find yourself being greedy or, or doing things in greed, it most likely will um, not last or it'll blow up in your face. Um, I find that when you, um, there was this, another video that I saw on social media and I'm, I regret and it's embarrassing. I cannot remember this actor's name. I called him by the wrong name. So now I can't tell you his name, but, um, he, he was quoted getting, giving an award. He was receiving an award and he basically said, um, when you, when you achieve climbing a mountain and you get to its peak, keep climbing. Um, but the best pace of success is slow and steady. So, I recognize it that in our nonprofit and even with our cranberry marsh that the slow and steady 
Um, it is good to be eager, but the slow and the steady and the, the refining, the precision. So, you know, it's okay to like be in that darkness. I think I, I am too a little bit like, gosh, I don't know how to, you know, like I know how to do business math, but like, um, right. I, but I'm doing like five different things at one time. And like, what is this app again? Oh yeah. Like this app does this. And like, how am I going to, and then just showing some grace, but just saying, okay, like we're just going to grow slow and steady and grab the win. So I don't know. That's another mantra I've gained over life. So my sister's a cancer survivor and, um, when she was in her thirties and when you're, um, caregiving and, and, and following someone who you love deeply through this kind of journey, you learn to grab the wins where you can, because it's not always a pretty picture, but that's a life lesson for everything. There's, I mean, we've all heard about silver linings and things like that, but, um, um, wins, I think that's back to our Christianity. God shows us these positive compass indicators or not change the compass, um, based on those wins and those small successes are really what I think build the foundation of whether it's this growth or this change or this new idea or whatever it may be. It has to be consistent, but small and successful if that makes sense. Yeah. Celebrating the wins. Yeah. There's a, there's a book I've mentioned before called the gap in the gain by Dan Sullivan. And he talks about the difference that happens, you know, just maybe even emotionally or energetically for us when we focus on the gap between where we are and where we want to be mm. versus when we focus on the gain or when we acknowledge and maybe give some space to it, where were we and where are we now? Yeah. And those small wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Love it's almost it. like looking at your cup half full versus half empty. Right. Right. Yeah. So is there anything else that you feel has been left unsaid today? Um, we've covered so many awesome topics. I mean, we've talked about family. We've talked about faith. We talked about family. We've talked about entrepreneurial and business. Um, I think this is so amazing. Uh, your belief crew and, um, and integrating this healthy conversation about how we can be leaders for ourselves and for others. Um, but with a Christian mindset, I think it's almost become, um, politically polarized uh, to the point where I'm not even as comfortable, um, talking about it. It's, and it's not because I'm afraid to offend someone. That's not it. But if I don't want to, if I know if I have a goal of something, I'm going to lose their attention or they're going to pass judgment on me too early. So I'm qualifying my audience. Is this the right time and the place? So I'm struggling a little bit about, um, how do I openly talk about my faith while it's relevant? But I don't, so I've just, yeah, I've been putting some mental thought into that. So maybe it's some food for thought for all of us is, you know, in, um, in this world where it is, you know, like we're meant to stay in our lane, but yet we're meant to be in community. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's tough to make your head spin. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's completely true. And, And what I found for myself is that God was calling me in one direction and it freaked me out and I wanted to go in the other direction. And as often, I mean, just literally Mm -hmm. like Jonah, as often as I tried Mm -hmm. to go in a different direction, I got called back, you know, like, would you not? Oh my gosh. I swear to God, when I hear myself, myself saying no to the same ask several times and now I'm starting to get it. I'm like, Oh, you want me to say yes. Like this is God (laughs) asking me 
Um, it is funny because, well, it's really funny. Um, was it last year or the year before? Maybe it was two years ago. Um, I said to myself, oh man, I'll never want to, I never want to be a retailer. That looks like so mm. much work. I don't know how to do it. Um, that, how, how, how could, how? And then here we are. That was like God's little <laughs> nudge of like, wow. guess what you're going to need to think about. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's when Kevin and I looked at each other and said a couple of years ago, like God wouldn't ask us to share our story vulnerably. Like that no like that would be the worst mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then we were like on a podcast wait what <laughs> and and yet every time that i've stepped into it i mean i remember when he asked us we had three kids and he was asking us to have two more and i remembered fighting it for two years and i said something to someone like anything else or maybe I was at that point where I was um, having a conversation with God and I was like, anything else, like I'm willing for anything else. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment that I was like, and there's your sign. (laughs) (laughs) So then, Uh um, you know, but having those extra kids, I had to become someone that I hadn't needed to become prior to that. And it Mm. was a level that I was ready for. And yet mm-hmm. I didn't know it. Right. You know? So every time it's been something I'm ready for and I didn't know it. So that no. is the power of God, Jamie, right there. When people say, I show me proof, show me proof. Mm-hmm. How, how that's it right there. Because we do not know what God knows of us. He, Oh God, I'm getting teary again. Um, he, do, we, do, we do not know. We have to have faith and belief and it will come to us. It, he will show us. He will bring us um, gifts. He will provide for us. Um, but we're meant to have the unknown. I, don't, I haven't <laughs> said that in a long time, but I mean, if, if we have some mystery and some questions, that's by design. He wants us to be in relationship with Christ to ask the questions. Keep talking. Keep asking. If you don't understand, if you're in discourse with what this my scripture might say or it, or what how you see this translated into the world, keep talking. So maybe that's my last tip of like, just keep talking, people. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this conversation and I cannot wait for others to hear it. Thank you. Yeah, likewise, Jamie. Thank you for inviting me. 